Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. In our lives, we give you thanks that you have a project and that you have not given up on this, that the word calls family. From the first family you instituted upon the earth, Lord, you ordained way before any government that would rule the earth. You ordained it way before the church. And we pray, Father God, that we might understand the dynamics of family and that your spirit might be upon us strongly tonight to be able to say yes to what you desire and that we might welcome that spirit that allows family to flourish and to be fruitful. And that we might understand that there is a large inheritance in a righteous family. There's blessings. There's purpose and significance and value. And without family, we are stripped from everything you have laid up for us. So give us understanding tonight that we might walk in a manner which honors you and that our heart might be receptive to your instruction so that we might thrive in this world-changing project that you have called family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Last night as we were watching this Focus on the Family movie called Irreplaceable, um, one of the men who was interviewed says that family is the firewall of all social ills. That means it's a place of protection. It's a place of flourishing and prosperity and purpose. We know this in Psalm 68 verse 6, that God's game plan in all the earth was to put everyone in family. Uh, we did not choose our family, God chose our family for us. So God sets solitary in families. And he, it, it is like bringing out the captive into prosperity. You see there that the word prosperity is related to family. And when family takes a hit, Jesus says a house divided will not prosper. So that there is no prosperity when the family is diminishing as we were in the National Day of Prayer and they asked me to be the pastor here in the community, there were seven pastors asked for, and they were asked each to pray for different aspects. Some prayed for government, others prayed for the community, others prayed for the youth. They asked me to pray for family. And I was able to tell those churches that were gathered, there was over like 10 churches gathered uh, on the National Day of Prayer last Thursday, um, I said, we need to be experts in family. We, the church of Jesus Christ, need to love family and be, because they, they said, well, Pastor Molina likes family a whole bunch. And I was like, listen, God likes family a whole bunch. It's not Pastor Molina. It's not, it's not our flavor of Christianity. Some churches might like prosperity. Others might like discipleship. It's God who's vested into family, and he's done that since day one when he put the first family upon the earth. And there in a, the context of family is prosperity. To not have prosperity is to be held back or bound or captive in your ability to prosper. And so therefore, uh, precisely established in the same context of the prosperity of a family is those that will not partake for some reason or other the word rebellion those that cannot conform to instruction will dwell in an unfruitful land a dry land we were talking on Monday with the men's group that there's a dew that falls from the heavens upon family and there is a arid, dry desert. If you go with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 6, God 
allows us to understand, and this is many people um, feel that the New Testament is free of any consequences of our rebellion because it's a testament of grace and God uh, in Christ has redeemed us all from the curse. But here in the context of Hebrews chapter 6, it talks about uh, verse 7, giving us an example that the earth which drinks in the rain, the dew of heaven that often comes upon it, bears herbs that are useful. There's fruit bearing uh, herbs by whom we can cultivate and receive blessing from God. And there is no doubt that, that man destined to understand God and progress in prosperity requires the blessing that comes from God. A lot of us, for one reason or the other, have lost our family. Our family has been diminished. It has been uh, stricken with various plagues of divorce, infidelity, uh, gambling, alcoholism, drug addiction. Uh, all these plagues that have fallen upon the family have diminished it to such that we'd prefer not even to discuss it. Verse 8 says that the land that does not receive heaven's due and prosperity and favor becomes a land that bears thorns and briars, uh, thorns and thickets. Uh, it's a land that is not accepted, it's rejected for no one uh, embraces a land that is near to being cursed and whose end is to be completely burned up. So there are, there's the context of, of two different expressions of people's, if you will, uh, according to Psalm 68.6 where it says prosperity for those in family and those that are in rebellion, a dry land. And I just... Over the weekend, I was talking to a man who has two small children, and he's leaving his wife, and he says, look, I think you're a little bit too late because I have a girlfriend, and we're going to get married. And I said, well, listen to me. You're going to try to prove God wrong that a house divided will not prosper. That means you've already broken your house, and you think you're going to progress into prosperity. That's not going to happen. He's a Christian man. Uh, with a Christian wife and Christian kids and they go to church and they're in ministry and he's going to pretend like he could trample that like it never existed. And so in that course, uh, I said, well, just keep my number. Um, as you come around, you're going to be able to call and be able to restore and repair and renew that which God desires to flourish. Now, again, let's, let's talk in the context of the fact that that we can't appreciate why would we would even be talking about this tonight. Uh, let me just let you know that God desires to renew, restore, repair, and to allow you to flourish in prosperity. That's God's heart. God wants to heal. God wants to bring those things that are out of order into order. Um, we, like I said at the National Day of Prayer, need to be experts at family. When we see a father, uh, some people don't even know what the context of fatherhood is other than if you, you're a father, I hate you. I, I often talk about uh, doing conferences in different places and someone will come up to me and say, you remind me a lot of my father. And, and I tell them, well, come. And they know I hate my father. I hate you. Your words uh, remind me of the admonition, the exhortation, the discipline, the correction, the uh, instruction. That's what a father does. And, and the strong spirit of God, Romans 8, 14 says, a strong spirit of God will reverberate and echo Abba Father. Right? 
Let's go to uh, verse 15. For you received, you did not receive a spirit that wants to control you. You didn't, you, the spirit of God is not uh, one that wants to pull you down to fear, but you've received a spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Until this is not repaired in our lives, we're not ready to be part of the family. You're going to have, you're going to continue to be distant from the Father. You will have an orphan spirit, a prodigal spirit, where you want to be distant from any semblance of authority, uh, boundaries, instruction, correction. You, you will not even want to participate because they might correct you. And, and that becomes a sad, underdeveloped spirit in your life because he who the father loves he corrects so your only hope for prosperity is to be near someone that loves you enough to say you know something you won't be able to take another step in that attitude and that is why the prodigal son is able to come back after he tastes deep destruction a uh, people who taste deep destruction don't have an issue with being taught because they get real tired of eating pig food. And so Pastor Medieros last week was saying um, that it requires absolute annihilation and total destruction before you're, say, you're ready to say, I, I need somebody to, to look at me and tell me a little bit. And so you have that one case where he explains that until your life is totally decimated and you come to zero, that you're willing to ask for help. And then the other uh, expression that we see in this is someone who never had a father. This afternoon, a gentleman from our church came and he says, I want to talk to you, pastor. He says, listen, I don't have any brothers and I've never had a father. But I've seen in the last year that I've been at church and hanging out with you and learning just by observing, I want you to be my dad. And I said, well, that's a matter of your heart. That's, that's your heart that needs to require that. Because uh, it doesn't matter how much a father wants to be an instructor, a, a one who disciplines, one who corrects. If the heart of the son is, is turned off, it's not going to happen. Um, and so I was explaining to him the relationship we have with Pastor Medieros, who's 10 years my senior. And he says, you're, you're a model for me. You want, you're one to instruct me. You're one to discipline me. You're one to uh, call my attention. And it's been a blessing. I'd be a fool not to receive what you see and what you hear and what you perceive. Um, so in these, in these times, these words become super uh, uh, suspect. Uh, why would he want to play that role in my life? Well, we'll see here um, that it is similar to a sentiment that's always been the heart of God since the beginning. I was sharing with the men in the book of Judges chapter 8. Verse 23, there is nothing in my heart that desires to lord over anybody. I'm too busy. Do you imagine being uh, Clinton Etheridge from South Africa writes me a letter. She, he says, every time you speak into my life, I hear the voice of a father. And I want you to continue to speak into my life. I don't know the man um, on a personal basis, but the spirit of God he's able to acknowledge what that voice comes. So Gideon is able to say this. He says, Gideon said to them, I'm not going to be your master and rule over you, nor am I training my children to be lords over you. For the end result of everything that's going on is that the Lord would be your master, that the Lord would be your Lord, that God would be your Lord. So there is no other way to train for family than when you are ready to respect and honor 
someone who God has placed in your life for your inheritance, for your prosperity, and for your blessing. And to be distant from that voice is an issue that you need to resolve. Um, it's, not, it's not my issue. And so from this time, Gideon is telling them, listen, you have a warped sense of authority. And since you have a warped sense of authority, until you address that, God will never be able to be your father. God will never be able to lead you and instruct you and guide you. Uh, I was telling the men that I, I was recently talking to a man for 30 years I've known him. And I said, just, just name one person in your life that you listen to. And he says, God. I said, okay. If God were going to send you a message, who would he send it through? He says, you. If God were going to speak to me, it'd be through you. And yet he has made sure that there is no lines of communication. He has made sure that nothing I say will he consider. He puts it on the same. And, and I told him what, what the concept of honor is. That when I, you have an opinion and I have an opinion, to honor me is to put my opinion above yours. That would be a father. Honor your father. But to a spiritual father... 1 Timothy 5.17 says, give him double honor. What he's speaking into your life is not to be played with. It's not something, he's not, he's not telling you the dolphins are going to win. He says, let those that rule, we don't like that word either. Let those who govern, let those that God has put in your life be counted worthy of double honor. Especially those that are working hard that you might think like God. That you might align yourself up not to be a cursed land, but a prosperous land, a fruitful land, a flourishing land, a family, a family. And so Psalm 82, you'll see how we grow far from God as he begins to talk to his people in verse 1. And it says that God stands up in the uh, congregation of the mighty. He He's about to draw a line. That's what a judge does. He, he draws a line between those that are gathered. And then in verse 6, he says, Don't you realize that this is God gathering with his family because you are the children of the Most High God? God is addressing you as if you were his sons and daughters. God is addressing you as you were his family. He's talking to you like a dad would talk to a daughter, like a dad, a father would talk to his son. And so when this young man this afternoon, he says, you know something, I've never had a father. My father took off before I was born, two years old. I've never seen him since. He's never wanted anything. I'm 30 years old now, and I need to be able to come and share my heart and to have an ear to listen to what a father would say. And I said, well, look, I'm going to treat you like I treat Nicholas, my son. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that, that whatever you bring and share, I'm, I'm, my concern is going to be like when I talk to my oldest boy. And so in that regard, it becomes what God says here. It becomes a blessing as God stands. Deuteronomy 21 verse, um, verse 18. This was the standard of stubborn and rebellious children. Now, I do believe that, that we are in a period of grace because we're not seeing this come to pass, but I want you to listen to what was the standard and the measure of God for a rebellious son in the Old Testament. If a man has a stubborn, um, can you say that the word stubborn is strong-willed? Strong-willed. You know, stubborn is, is, A, it's not that way. A, it's not that way. So if you're that type of, and you keep on going your way, look, the biggest curse that could happen to you is that the Lord give you over to your stubbornness. And he says, go ahead, go off the cliff. Go, F, go ahead and walk on the railroad tracks. Go ahead and cross the street. And so if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son, we already said what rebellious means, one who does not want to be in family, 
one who does not want to flourish and be fruitful, one who does not want increase and blessings of the Lord, if this rebellious son will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, he's just out for no instruction, no, uh, no boundaries. When they have chastened him, he still won't listen. This, this is a guy who is going to grow up to be uh, a real uh, rebel without a cause. Verse 19, you are to take them. His father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the authorities of the city. Another context of a people. And you see the, the family context is the first that God established and then the city government so you to take your son to the next realm of government to the gate of the city where the leaders sit in verse 20 and they shall say to the elders of the city this is how the fathers are supposed to say this son of ours is strong-willed and rebellious he will not obey our voice he continues to go beyond the boundaries of our instruction, is a glutton and a drunkard. Verse 21. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall put away evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Now, we're talking about grace. We, at some time or other in our life, would be under a lot of... Uh, we would be getting stoned another way, right? Uh, not stoned with drugs or alcohol. We'd be under a bunch of stones because of a strong-willed, stubborn, and rebellious spirit. So I had, early on in my Christian walk, identified that I was a rebel, a strong rebel. And I told the Lord, Lord, you need to put something inside my heart that desires to do your will. You need to change my attitude. I have a strong attitude against authority, obedience. Um, the very first words that God spoke into my heart with regards to obedience was Ephesians 6, 1 um, through 3, where it says that children ought to obey the parents in the Lord for this is right. That was the, man, that was the, that was the first step that God dealt with in my life. Joaquin, you ready to walk with me? Yeah, God, I'm ready to walk with you. Well, let's go to this issue here because this issue's out of place. And the issue was my inability to obey my parents. And the Lord starts giving us some, some wooing in that direction, first and foremost, because it's his order. It's, it's, it's right to obey your parents. Verse 2, the commandment of the Lord, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. You know, forget about getting to father or mother when this society, I'm telling you, and this is a travesty. This is a strong travesty of this generation has no clue what the word honor means. They do not know. This is a relic. It's like, oh, honor. What's, what's honor? It sounds like a horse. <laughs> honor. It starts with an H. It has a O and honor. Huh. Honor. We don't have any clue what it is to honor. Uh, in some homes, the, 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 the ritual is to take off your shoes before you walk in the house. So that you do not walk ever with shoes inside the house. And that's how some people, they, they have protocol of honor. And, and you know that that's not happening in our generation. So a, a real good uh, washing of our understanding has to deal with honor. I've, I've told many of my spiritual sons, do a Bible study on chivalry in the times of the knights of the round table they had honor that was far above what anyone could say they, they would never 
take a step, a word, or a thought in the direction of dishonor. And so in our day, we don't know what that is. Um, we suspect that we could bring our dishonor that we live with in our homes to the church. And so we are highly dishonorable. And we don't even know we're doing it at the church. We, we don't understand um, the word honor throughout the Bible means something, a, a significant weight. Something that really gives you, if you were to carry it, it would like, it would like you know, it would move you in the direction of the weightiness of stuff. And when we're living in a culture where it's comedians who make light of all things, so they have diminished honored. So they have dishonored marriage. They have dishonored fathers. They have made fun of the family. They have made fun of the church. They have made light of uh, uh, brothers that, that totally walk contrary to the principle of honor. Um, so that is, that is what we're living nowadays. And there is no way... There is no way that we will get a glimpse of anything from heaven without honor. If you uh, do a study on honor throughout the Bible, you'll, you'll find a verse there. And it says, and there is not a prophet without honor except in his own city. And why does it say that? Because the time Jesus came to his hometown, they said, oh, that's Jesus. We... We grew up playing basketball with him. Who? He has no seriousness in our eyes. And so the Bible says he was not able to perform any miracles because of the absence of honor. So um, I just have to say this, and I have grounds to say this. Uh, the, the Cuban culture is a culture that has high dishonor. And they make fun of everyone. And they, they dispel anything that has respect and honor. Um, I was just talking to Gerardo this afternoon. And, and he says that he was at a concert. And this lady, Albita, came up to him, who's a famous singer. And he says, uh, excuse me, ma'am. And, and she says, don't call me ma'am. That makes me sound like an old lady. And he says, no, it's, it's, a, it's a reflection of honor. I'm, I'm actually displaying honor, and, and she didn't have a clue, you know, because everything is mixed in the pot. Um, we were talking about at the National Day of Prayer, one of the pastors stood up there, and he says, um, there's no difference between pastors and lay people. We're all the same. We're all pastors. Well, when you start making all things common, there's no honor in man, there's no honor in woman. So then the restrooms become a unisex. Anybody could go in. You stop honoring the distinctions of God. And so this is the direction the world is going. They don't want to honor a boy and girl. They just want to call them siblings and they want the children to decide what they want to be, a boy or a girl, regardless of their uh, physiological sex anatomical sex and so we need to sit there and say lord i don't want to be an aberration i don't want to be a distortion of what you want me to be i, I want to be a faithful son of god i want to be a, an excellent daughter of virtue so that the lord gave us first peter chapter 3 verse 6 that there was a mystery behind becoming an excellent wife. And you cannot become an excellent wife until first you're an excellent daughter. And so you say, well, I didn't know one thing had to do with it. Absolutely. Some of you have never been able to be honorable daughters. You have dishonored the family name. So you're horrible wives. And you, you must repent. You must ask God for forgiveness and say, look, I missed my adolescence. I missed my childhood. I missed my college years. I did things behind my dad's back. I dishonored the family name, not, not in front of people, but behind the scenes. And so it says there, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Well, how did she do that? Because she was a daughter first, and you'll be able to do that. 
whose daughter you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. So to be a daughter that does good allows you to be a wife that honors and respects a husband. You can say amen or not, but it's true. And God wants us to have the best wives in the world. Well, it requires that you have a, an attitude of a faithful and good daughter so that you might grow up in authority to be able to honor your husband. That's, that's the next step. And, and then some of us will never be able to have any semblance of ministry because ministry is above being a faithful wife. If you do not have your house in order, you cannot, you cannot minister. I was, I ran into a woman this weekend who calls herself a prophetess and an evangelist and a preacher. And I said, listen, you cannot call yourselves a minister of the gospel if you're not obeying the instruction of the Lord. You cannot. At best, you are a circus. And what we find in circuses are clowns, are people that are just showcasing and uh, showing off, but no ministry in that realm. So there it is in Luke 15 that we're all hit with the parable of the prodigal son. I, I believe this is appropriate to all of us. We're not going to get to the level of honor, of ministry, of responsibility, unless we have a right alignment with a father. And that's why Luke 15 verse 11 says there was a certain man who had two sons. And the story continues that one of the sons came and asked his father, the younger one, the, mo the more immature, inexperienced, said to his father, give me the portion of good that belongs to me. In other words, hurry up and get out of my way. That doesn't make for a good son. That doesn't make for a man who is going to appropriately be able to steward the grace of God. So the Bible says the man divided the inheritance and his livelihood, verse 13. And some days later, not many days afterwards, the younger man gathered his belongings together and journeyed to a far country where there was wasted living prodigally giving away his possessions. Um, all I can tell you is there is purpose tied to family. Family is not something that you use as a, as a bouncing board and, and you take off to do your own thing. Um, family is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He, he continues to pour through to the next generation. And with every uh, rising up, and, and, and I want to talk a little bit about Abraham because he... Uh, is called the father of faith but you know why he's called the father of faith because he was a good he was able to to offer up his highest regard in Isaac that was the test and because he did that he wasn't the father of faith before that he was a tempted son he was tried it would he come into relationship with the father and pay a big price. Um, after that, he's known as the father of faith. It was in that action that the Lord said, you know something, you're ready to have an inheritance. What he told them before that time, in um, I think it's Genesis 12, I believe it's verse 2, what he told Abraham, he says, let's go to Genesis 12, 2. This was the promise, and this is your promise. Please listen to what your promise is. 
that there's a great inheritance for you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you are going to be a blessing. I'm sitting right under the goodness of God, waiting for my inheritance, waiting for the fruit of faithfulness, waiting God's time. And so that was the declaration. And not many days after that, in Genesis 13, verse 2, we see this man flourishing. Abraham was extremely rich in livestock and silver and in gold. The increase and the flourishing of a faithful son. We, we know what Lot did. Um, Lot decided that he would disconnect and go for possessions. But his wealth, and you please say it with me, is in relationship. It's never in what we get, it's in whose company we are. And our relationship with God the Father causes us to triumph in all things. For Hebrews 11.10 says that Abraham wasn't looking for things. He was looking for what God was putting together. He waited for a city whose foundation and builder and maker was God. What does God have for me is a lot better than what I can get. The prodigal son was breaking off the relationship so that he could have and ended up losing everything. Now, thank God he had the wisdom to get back in right relationship. And that's when the covering came. That's when uh, the feast was celebrated. And so it's important uh, that we see in 1 Samuel 2.12 that, that these sons of Eli, as they grew up under their father's tutelage, became corrupt. When we're talking about corrupt, please understand that this is a breaking off of, of order and relationship. They, they, they got twisted. They, they, they disconnected. They disrespected. They didn't... They, they, they weren't looking for what God was looking for. And so there will be times, Matthew 12, 46, Jesus is in the temple and his brothers and sisters are coming looking for him. And it's a great time for him to say, you know something? I appreciate, you know, what you guys want to do in the realm of the earth. While he was speaking and talking to the multitude, mother, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him, verse 47. And one said, look, your mother and brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you, verse 48. He asked the question, who are? While he was, let's go to 48. He answered to the one, who is my mother and my brother? Who am I related to? Where, where am I connected? Where, where do I come into bearing what God has for me? And then he points and says, these that do the will of my father, verse 49. He stretched out his hand towards his disciples and says, here's my mother, my brothers, verse 50. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven, he is rightly related as my brother, my sister, my mother. Um, suffice it to say that, that many of us are going to be challenged to this in regards to our connection. But here, Ephesians 2.19, God squarely tells us that we are no longer disconnected and strangers. Ephesians 2.19, but that we now belong to God and that we have now become members of his household. Ephesians 2.19, please. There it is. We're no longer lost. We're no longer distant and foreign. But now we are connected with all these who are members of the household of God. What are we doing? We are, Galatians 6.10, have another opportunity to display the connection of a family that is going to inherit the promises of God. 
Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us walk in good to all, everyone, but especially those that are of the household of faith. Especially, there has to be deference to those that are members of this household. So Paul writes Timothy in 1 Timothy 3, um, verse 14. He says, these things I'm writing to you, my younger mentor, they're not related by blood. They're not related by uh, uh, relatives. But he says, I'm writing you these things, though I hope to come to you shortly, verse 15, that while I delay, I'm going to let you know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. How you're supposed to be a son of God. How you're supposed to be in the family of God. Um, the, the semblance of entitlement for many people. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how I do it. I continue to have the right of participation. You are deceived, my friend. You're not. You're not. You're to be treated as a pagan, as someone who doesn't love family, who doesn't care about family, who doesn't warrant family. You're, you're not pro appropriately conducting yourself. 1 Timothy 3, 4, he puts this, this role upon the... The fathers of the faith, he says, if you, in your family at home, you're not able to rule well, and what is ruling well? Show me that you're able to lead those that live in your home. Because if those that live in your home don't respect you and don't listen to you, you are disqualified from leading in the church. Verse 5, for if he does not rule well, at home, how will he be able to concern himself with the church of God? The same principle of honor applies there. The same aspects of, of being able to give weight of authority. Um, I'm, I'm blessed to see those that were discipled by the Lord had a capacity to walk in right relationship. John 19, 26 Jesus is on the cross and he sees his mother there and he turns to the disciple that he loves standing near and said to his mother, dear woman, this is your son. If he wasn't properly discipled, he would have turned to Jesus and says, no, I'm not. I'm an apostle. No, I'm not. I'm an evangelist to the nations. No, I'm not. I'm a spiritual leader. I'm a, I'm a teacher. I'm a, listen. You are nothing if you're not a son. You are nothing. You are useless if you cannot conform and walk in the character of Christ. A son. A son showing yourself to walk in high honor. Verse 27, he says, Then he said to the disciples, See, there is your mother. Somebody that not only conforms to the character of a son in a submission, obedience, and service, faithfulness, and honor, but somebody that could respect a mom type. He said to the disciple, behold your mom. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. We, we have a real skewed, that means twisted, mindset of what it is to be a disciple of Christ and we need to be known in all the earth as the sons of God uh, the verse in Romans let me see if I find it here Romans eight twenty one. It says, all of creation wants to be set free from the captivity, the bondage of corruption, to glorious liberty. They want to see the children of God in the full expression of what it is. There is no imposition to this. In other words, there is no lording over. No one is going to force you to be a faithful son. Ephesians 1.5 says that he predestined you to this order. 
by adopting you in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.5 Having predestined us by adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to that which pleases God in his will. Adoption as a son, a relationship with a father, an attitude of faithfulness. Um, just like we said with the ladies, if you were horrendous daughters and you were conniving and tricky and sneaky and running away and always bashing your dad, you, my friend, have not the wherewithal to be able to conform yourself to order in the house. The same thing with the sons. If, if you're just uh, rebellious and stubborn and difficult, it makes for a horrible husband. It makes for horrible ministry. You're throwing a tantrum the whole time. You can't even tell. So the Lord desires for us to, to consider these things and to understand that to be able to uh, be part of a household, uh, answer and, and walk in the, the honor of the house. John chapter 1 verse 13 is not a matter of human will. I, I, cannot, I, I cannot put that DNA in you because you're not my son. You're a son of God. You're a son of God. You were not born not of blood nor the will of man nor of the will of the flesh, but of God. You, you need to come to that understanding. Uh, I see that there's a huge inheritance for those that walk in respect and honor and obedience. I, I just see it, a natural flow of the heavenly grace upon those that walk in that manner. And, and those are the ones that, that will walk upon the earth as the sons of God. Those are the ones that will receive that prodigal covering, the garment. They'll receive spiritual authority. They will receive the, the heart of the Father bestowed upon them in a miraculous manner. Amen. Ephesians 4, 6, if you have that understanding that, that you, this is not a, an institution of man, that this is not a pastor trying to fulfill his pleasure through you. Uh, I've sat down, I've had the opportunity with my own family who God has put in this church. And I said, listen, I didn't choose this. I did not choose this. I, I, would, I would in a thousand percent be super happy, distant from these ales and these, these, uh, these dealings. But if you see there, we have one God and the Father of us all. And He is above all and through all and in you all. So we have the Father there. Um, in Galatians 4.26, it says that the church is our mother. We, we, were, we were birthed into this life through the ministry of the church, but the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. So you have the father, you have the, the birthing of through the church. Now, who are the sons and daughters? We are. If we walk in the will of dad, if we, if we pursue his desire for our life, and in that regards, to the extent that we do walk like that, we're going to see a benevolent hand of sovereignty in our lives. Romans 8.14 For as many as are moved and led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. These are the ones that... that these are the ones that walk with the favor of God. And it's a supernatural uh, force of divine favor in an amazing manner. Hebrews 2.10 says 
that he did this as was fit for whose sake and by whom all things have existed. And he desires to bring many sons to the expression of glory. What he told Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to increase. I'm going to make you abundant. And then we see in Genesis 14, I'm sorry, Genesis 18, 18, that he says, why? He says, why? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through him or by him or in him. Verse 19. Verse 19. We have the glorious lights coming on behind me. It says, for I've known him. He is in order putting his house in order through the commandments that he teaches his children after him. Verse 19. Verse 19, please. That they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord, so that the Lord may bring over Abraham what he has spoken. These things have to be in order. Pastor GF from Texas called us this afternoon and he says, what's going on? I said, listen, all I can tell you is I'm trying to get in order. I don't want to miss what God has for me. I want to get where he wants me to be and act like he wants me to act and have the right attitude and the right time and the right season. I know my father is faithful. Let's ask the ushers to come forward and you... Ask God to allow you to connect, to respect, to walk as a faithful daughter. Guess what? You've never done that anywhere. It's time you do it here and now. We've invited a lot of people to go. If they're not going to be a faithful son and daughter in this house, to go somewhere else and be faithful. To be faithful son and daughter. Embracing the vision, the authorities, the honor of that house, the order of that house, the seed of that house, the vision of that house, the finances of that house. Be faithful somewhere because you do not want to hold yourself out as a rebel on the day the Lord comes back and then you have all the justifications of your rebellion for not wanting to be part of a family. Father, we thank you for this table tonight. These are the privileges of being at your house, sitting at your table, receiving your bread and your cup. We ask you to bless it, Lord, that it would be a, a healing to us tonight, that it would be a flourishing, that it would make us whole in your provision and your perfect design, O oh God.